Time to kick off season six of Catalog and Cocktails presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada. Hello, hello. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World, and we're back season six, year four. I can't believe Ooh, dang. it. Dang, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. And, or yeah. condolences. I'm not sure which, but uh, <laughs> this is exactly where like Tim and I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, like it's again, and like I can't believe we're doing this again. And I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, let me ask you, well, how from when you started the podcast to today, is the mission still the same? Is was are you guys still having fun? Like, I'm turning the podcast back on to you guys, but I'm very curious. It's a long time yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. So, but, but hold on. Uh, who is this person uh, who's talking to us right now? <laughs> oh, I'm Joe Reese. How are you doing? Um, <laughs> How are you doing, so, Joe? I, I, welcome, Joe. Joe, uh, this is the first time we have a repeat guest. And as I, as I wrote on LinkedIn, uh, we just the three of us were just bumped into each other in Snowflake. And we were like having beers and we're like, uh this is a good conversation let's just do this on the podcast and i think tim and i were honestly like uh when are we going to start the podcast again like i don't know I'm like maybe we should just do this with joe we'll kick it off and we're i think we we're going to do it last week but you couldn't do it so then we decided to do it this yeah. week that's how it goes that's the honest no bs about it, it. Goes. it so works. It works. back to your question um i just we just like doing it we've never what has been our mission tim i don't know well, we wanted an excuse to drink at four o'clock central on Wednesdays. Mm. Um, but then secondly, and most importantly, it's just been about learning, right? I think we've been wanting to meet people, have interesting conversations. And really, we've always been thinking, man, like the best conversations are the ones that happen on the side of the stage, not the ones that are happening on the stage. And so um, that's kind of that mission continues. And we get to have great conversations with, with folks like yourself, Joe, and, and talking about What's really going on in data? Well, I'm, I'm happy and sad for you. So, um, <laughs> so. well, here we go. Well, um, so let's kick it off. Uh, what are we drinking? What are we toasting for? Joe? Uh, well, to your success, obviously, as a four year show. I mean, I, I think that's what we should be drinking too. I, I um, that's pretty well, awesome. So well, you've been doing this also for many years now too. Yeah. Um, what year is it? Three-ish yeah. um, years? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of this started as kind of a COVID project, right? Because, you know, I don't think I would have gotten into podcasting more for COVID. Cause I think, but, you know, back then, I think everyone's mindset was still very uh, provincial and localized, right? And, and so I just did it because why the hell not? I have nothing else to do. And so, um, That's you know, if you guys were doing it probably a year before and then, yeah. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to do, though. And it seems like everyone has podcasts. I was joking the other day, like, all my phone calls are basically just podcasts right now, like, when I talk to people. So, so there's a lot, of, things, a lot of podcasts the, going on now. I, one of the things I'm uh, pretty proud uh, is that you go to listennotes.com, they're an aggregator, and mm -hmm. uh, we're actually on the top 2.5% of all global podcasts. That oh, is, really? um, they aggregate, like, over 3 million podcasts. So that's cool. All right. So uh, what are you drinking, Tim? 
I am. So I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm in Dripping Springs, Texas. Um, there is a Dripping Spring in Dripping Springs. I know. That's I looked true. at it and I was like, oh, it's, it's literally a <laughs> spring that drips. It's the craziest thing. So I'm here with my family. Uh, we, we like to hang out and with somebody else's pool, steal somebody's pool. Um, but there's a, um, a distillery close by here called Treaty Oak that I really like. Um, this is their Ghost Hill bourbon that's really solid. So if you're ever in, in the Austin area, drive uh, 25 minutes out, stop by Treaty mm. Oak. But actually, the thing I'm drinking right now is actually a peach to julep cocktail. So that's what I got going on Ooh. over here. It's fancy. fancy. Yeah. And I'm having, uh, there is some nice rum, Flor de Caña, and uh, it's nice and hot outside here in Texas. I'm having just some sparkling water with some bitters. Nice, refreshing. Nice. Uh, and I think it's just going to uh, cheers to us having podcasts and people actually paying cool. attention. So, yeah, yeah. cheers, yeah. Joe. That's awesome. Congrats. Cheers. Yeah, and that's what the listen notes seems awesome. I'm just drinking a uh, diet Red Bull, you know, because uh, why not? Um, gotta watch my figure. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, a quick warm up question. So, modeling and semantics is all about representation. So, what object would you choose that represents you the best? So it was a bit of a doozy of a question. So I actually asked ChatGPT what ChatGPT would represent itself as, and it came back as a library or a database full of information. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I'm either... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably a, a meme <laughs> or something. So my, my goal in life is actually to become a meme myself. And so I think that might be... Um, um, I represent myself. How about you guys? <laughs> I like that. That's actually a good <laughs> kind of a meta response. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking maybe I'm like a pencil and uh, like creating, but iterating and flexible. It's got an eraser, right? You, you screw right. up, you can erase it. So uh, yeah, maybe I'm a pencil. It's cool. Um, I'm what about you, Juan? I'm going to go with like a... I can't find the objects. I'm just curious. I just kind of could talk to people, got to learn, right? And just go. What, what would be an, what would what would that object be? So like a sponge. There you uh, go. You sponge. Cook things up. Yeah. yeah. Or a microphone. Yeah, like a, or a microphone. Ooh, a microphone. Like or, or a recorder. Or, yeah. Or yeah, something. Like right. Um, or a sponge that picks up like the uh, the eraser bits when you're done. Tim's done. Uh, yeah. After I make a mess, thinking. you can you can clean yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, all right a mop a mop the mop that's what he is right, let, anyway, let, let's, um, <laughs> let's get into this okay so we were having this conversation with beers and uh it was a like, lot of beers by the way too it was kind of funny it was pretty so awesome. shout out to uh ethan aaron and the um uh all the people involved in the uh, low-key uh happy hour in vegas a couple weeks ago at snowflake summit um, yeah that was awesome made it made a sneak appearance for that that night and that was super cool it was it's kind of like a who's who of the data industry just walking around bumping into everybody we bumped into each other and we started talking about uh, this well first of all we'll start talking about you were, you're writing a new book so yeah you, you have a very famous book right now uh which uh how is that going and now you're talking you're writing a new book and tell us about that because that's how we got yeah. conversation yeah i got a famous book uh fundamentals of data engineering that's been doing really really well um but after that, I, you know, there's one chapter in the book I actually didn't really feel like I did the topic of data modeling justice. Um, and I kept getting a lot of comments and emails about that chapter in particular, like, oh, why didn't you cover this? Why didn't you cover that? Or like, why did, why did you cover this at all? Like, nobody cares about this. And so it was kind of the spectrum of, of um, response. And 
And I'm like, yeah, I, I do agree. I think that maybe the topic of data modeling needs to be looked at maybe a bit more closely and, and also probably resurrected to some degree. If you ask, especially newer practitioners to the, the data field right now, and you ask them about data modeling, you, know, you get a variety of answers as in terms of what they think that is. Um, but for the most part, it feels like a lot of the, not just the tactical practices, everyone thinks of data modeling as like Kimball or, you know, something like that, relational modeling. And I think those are certainly techniques, but the art, um, the philosophy, and really the, the why of data modeling and why you want to do it, I think that's been lost to an entire new generation of data practitioners. So as I started thinking about this more, I'm like, well, maybe I should write a book on this. And, you know, I started thinking a lot about it. And, you know, later last year, I decided to start writing it. Um, I wanted to be done by now, actually. Uh, and I thought it'd be done. But a few things happened. The, the very famous book also meant that I started making courses, which takes take up a lot of time. Um, so that's been, a, a, I think, a blessing, obviously. And then uh, large language models. I think the popularity of AI, uh, right around like kind of November, December of last year and into now, it's, it's red hot. And I think with, for a lot of data professionals, that also meant, you know, you're, you're rethinking a lot of, okay, so maybe not rethinking, but you're, you're thinking, okay, so what does this mean for the industry? What does it mean for what we've been doing? Does it change anything? And if so, what changes? Um, and are we ready for this? I think that's the other question. Right. That was a question that we were talking about, actually, um, you know, over uh, many, many beers was it feels like there's this mad rush into AI right now. But um, I mean, we all work in data. We all see data sets every day. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but the ones that I see, uh, they could be better, uh, to put it politely um, and to put it more bluntly, a lot of more flaming trash heaps. Um, and so uh, so to try and put AI on top of this, I think, is um, it's an interesting idea. I, I'm very curious how it works out. Um, I, I, uh, but I see this as a huge opportunity for the field right now. Either we can start getting the fundamentals correct again, semantics, which is Juan's territory, data modeling, which is what I've been thinking about. These are very, 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 very much related, right? These are these are basically siblings, and we have a chance to get this right, which means the promises of AI can be achieved for real. But if we can't get this right, I, I feel like this a lot of the interest and investment and frenzy around AI does have a chance of actually um, backfiring on itself. So yeah. love your take on this. It's, there's a divergence here between thinking that AI is going to allow us to kind of forget about the fundamentals and say, oh, well, now we can kind of zoom straight to the finish line. Or there's a perspective of, oh, shoot, the problems that we have around our semantics, around our modeling, around our data quality, um, around the access around data, those things are going to be amplified by this movement. And it's going to be um, even a worse situation than it was before. Um, and I don't know how many people are in the middle of that spectrum versus, I know you, you faced a little bit of even controversy as you talked about wanting to write this book around semantics and modeling, right? And people kind of are like either oh my gosh, I love it. We need this book. Or why, why are we spending time on this right now? So, so what, one, of the, yeah. one of the things that comes to mind... We'll talk more about that. So <laughs> Sorry, so Is um, when we talk about AI, I think right now, well, we use the word AI and it's always been machine learning. And now we use the word AI and now it's LLMs and, gener and generative AI, right? So we just kind of shift what the word AI is. And now if we yeah. look underneath 
what it is, the input to that stuff. We always say, oh, data, quality, all that stuff. But like at least for the large language models, which is with our current definition of AI, it's text. It's unstructured. And now we're going to go to images and the multi-model stuff. But it's really not about structured data yet. And I think that, so. We're seeing all this excitement around that stuff, but but I think there's like, hey, folks, like, you know, you want to go tie in your internal data to this whole chat GPT and stuff, but that's mm -hmm. structured data. And and now the thing, the argument is that oh, there's always way more unstructured and text and all that stuff, and that's what we should go focus on. I would actually argue that that well, I mean that's true. I would argue that the structured data, smaller than it is for the unstructured, is higher is has more value. And I think would have uh, would solve more of the questions people have than just the unstructured. That's a I'll, I'll put yeah. that claim out there, uh, put that position out there, and happy to to get pushed back from it. Now, when we start doing that, we start focusing on the, on the structured side. Then we're like, how do you put in structured into your LLMs? And and we look at all the trainings on vector databases and how to do the embeddings and all that stuff. Like it's not about structured data into itself. I think that and so. If we want to start putting structured database, structured data combined with these large language models and generative AI, this is where the modeling semantics is going to kind of yeah yeah. And right now we're not talking about it. And I think th this is this is a it's a fundamental part that we need to do. So, anyways, that's kind of my opening rant here. Well, you, Joe. Completely agree with your opening round, right? It, it is the blind spot right now. Um, yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, if you talk to people like Bill Inman, right? He's he's working on text data. That's what he's cared about for a long time. If you if you talk to him, it's like the data warehouse that he came up with back in the day. Like that's he doesn't really think about that very much. It's like that's pretty old hat. Text is, I think to this point that there's a large amount of text data in, in a lot of companies, and driving meaning from that is important. But tying that back to those systems of record that you're talking about, those those rows and columns are very valuable, um, you know, operational data right that businesses need and, and live and breathe off of like that's if you can tie all this stuff together that's amazing that's powerful right and all the images you collect and tying that back to you know all the um data in your erp system and and whatever you know whatever all other data you have i mean tying this all together i think if you can do that that's cool like we've achieved something that we've been try trying to do as an industry for a very 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 long time and like i'm bullish on that um I think angle, right? And if we can get there, that's cool. But you have to be realistic too and understand like what's what what's in between here and that vision, right? And so, all right. So uh, let, let's dive into the data modeling part. So what where are we right now with it? And 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 give us a sneak peek of what's going through your brain that you're trying to put it down as paper. So. Yeah, some things that come to mind. I, I so there's a talk I'm. I'm I uh, kind of debuted it in Vancouver a few weeks ago um, called uh, Data Modeling is Dead, Long Live Data Modeling. And, and so it really comes back to the, I think, the premise that as an industry, we, we've sort of lost our way with respect to having, I think, a coherent view of data with a perspective of business processes, rules, vocabulary, semantics, and so forth, right? We're so used to capturing or, or seeing modeling as really an exercise of, of capturing ad hoc queries at this point. And, and, and I, I think responding to ad hoc requests that we've really lost sight of the bigger picture in terms of, I think the grander um, data modeling uh, practices like conceptual modeling, for example, then logical modeling, then, um, you know, um, 
physical modeling, right? It, it's like we, there, there's a couple of threads to this. One is we've, I think we're, we're so focused on the tactical, we've just lost everything else, all perspective in the context. The other part of this is it's because, and I hear this often, like, you know, modern data stack, especially, I like it a lot, it's achieved a lot, but the, one of the challenges is you can throw a computer at anything. And so the, when I talk to uh, analytics engineers, for example, they're like, well, I can just throw more computer stuff, so why would I need to model it? And I'm like, you could throw a lot of compute at stuff, but do you understand what it is you're trying to model in the first place and how it fits into the bigger picture? And then you zoom out across the spectrum and ignoring analytics, for example, which is our domain, all of us, you talk to software engineers. It's the same thing, except they're the ones creating the data that the, the analysts and the machine learning engineers depend upon in, in a lot of cases. And it's even worse in software engineering. The, the notions of data modeling, it, it, it's... For a lot of software engineers I talk to, it's non-existent. You know, you're talking about event streams, for example. It's just like I package whatever I need to package into an event, throw it off, you consume it. There you go. Have a nice day, right? And if you have a database, a lot of databases these days are managed by um, ORMs, object relational mappers, right? So if you've ever written like a Rails app or a Django app, for example, or, you know, um, you know many other languages, um, you know, Node, whatever, it's like ORMs are great, <laughs> They also give you so much flexibility that your database uh, can basically implode on itself if you're not careful about your model that you're creating. So what I see there is people will make models according to, say, a, a form that they built or a web interface or something. And that's, that's sort of, the, um, that's sort of the, the quote model. And so this is, but again, this is where the data is, is you know, going to first. It's created and then, you know, obviously analysts pull whatever they can. And so it's, it's this cascading effect, right? And like, I think when we talk about modeling, it's like, how do you model across the data lifecycle? How do you think about the coherence of business concepts, um, rules and processes and so forth you're trying to capture in the data, you know, across whether it's application, analytics, machine learning, streams, whatever, right? I think it's, that's, that's a huge piece I think we're missing. And the other part I'm, I'm looking at is like, you know, if I look over here, there's data modeling books, I have Cod's books, I have Kimball, you know, blah, 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 but it's like data vault and so forth. But there hasn't, hasn't been, like, I think, an evolution in thinking in data modeling for over 20 years now. The last big one was Data Vault, right? And, and since then, I think there's been some attempts, but it, it's, um, but I think they're, they're too focused on particular silos and don't expand the picture to see data as a whole, which I think, especially with, with AI right now, I think it gives us a chance to see data as a whole. Um, you know, I don't see why you would need to silo it, but it's, these are things that are on my mind. Again, some of these, some of these ramblings are, are, I think, somewhat coherent. Some of them are, I'm still thinking about, but this is what's on my mind. That's what you asked. So, yeah. All right, Tim, you want to go first? And let's let's pick let's pick this apart. I like I like I got a couple of thoughts. What do you, you go first? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, I want to start with a with a follow up question, Joe, which is, what what's the biggest risk that we run here? Do you think it's a, you know, is it a um, a productivity risk? Is it a cost risk? Like, what do you think are the biggest walls we're running into by not thinking enough about modeling? I think the risk is that we're going to do dumb things more quickly. So you'll you'll get the sense of you'll get the hallucination that you're faster. productive. Fail faster. You'll you'll fail faster. Well, you'll you just may do dumb things more quickly, but you won't even know you're failing right until it's, until it's too late. Yeah, because what you know, it, it's. I think what you're going to see giant productivity gains, but at the end of the day, did you gain much? Um, 
so that that's that's it because I think one of the big problems we have right now is obviously large language models are you know they're great super what they do they generalize really well they're also black box solutions so you have no idea what happens in them you have no idea if the if the output is correct obviously you know things like knowledge graphs for example you know there's there's a lot of uh, research going on where that might solve that uh, hallucination problem maybe it does maybe it doesn't um, but the problem is if we don't start at least having this conversation in terms of I think data correctness for example and what does it mean. The risk is that we we actually do things too well while doing things too badly, if that makes sense. We'll, we'll have the impression that we're doing things awesomely, but then it'll be entirely wrong. So, yeah. Well, and I, I, I were I, I like your comment and your tie into generative AI as well because I think sometimes, even now, right, we're we're very enamored by the magic of it all, and mm -hmm. we're just like, wow, look, it wrote the SQL query, great, like. Yeah. Can we just have uh, generative AI write all our DBT for us? Like, is that a good thing? <laughs> Probably not. Um, it's a yeah. interesting productivity hack, but um, what is? But you got to know what to look for. That's what I mean by you could be doing things. You could be doing a lot of things, but you could be doing them all wrong. You would. How would you ever? If you didn't know what to look for in a uh, a SQL query that it outputs, how would how would you know that it's right or wrong? I mean, it's pretty. So I do this to my kids a lot with homework, right? So, so we use ChatGPT quite often, and it's just to check homework and i'm like but sometimes it gets it's wrong and i'm like so you you need to check gpt's answer and tell me why it's wrong now so and i think that you know to bring it to like education for example we're, we're all educators for example and i think that that's you know one way i think teaching is going to change is you know you're going to have to teach to how people how to validate stuff in the future right but this comes back to business how how do you know so if a ceo types into you know the new uh, generative ai bi tool you know because everyone wants that um or the catalog, for example, and it's like, how, so how do you know the data is right? How do you know the output's right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I think the education part is critical here, and which is, no pun intended, we need to be more critical. And I think, and this is not just, this is not just a gener, this is not just an AI thing. I mean, I was having, yep. I was organizing a roundtable like last month about it. People were bringing this up, and somebody said, we've been saying, I just read it on the internet. Right. And then you're just seeing these things out there, too. Right. So it's like the, 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 the whole being more critical is something that is not just now. Right. It's been going on for a long time. And, and I think every every generation can argue that the last generation, the next generation is so gonna, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So forth, right. But 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 still, we should kind of I think being critical thinking is, is, is a key thing here. Now, I, I love this quote. Uh, Tim, we got to do our T-shirt store one day. Uh, this one will say do dumb things more quickly, but you don't know you're failing. <laughs> I like no Joe quote like that. Um, but I so the what what the meaning part right? This is goes back to I was having a conversation today. Like data literacy is a topic. I have my my friend about this. Is I hate people using the word data literacy because that means that people are illiterate in data. I'm like that's not true. People are not illiterate in data actually. And you, and we call the business side needs to get data literacy. Like the business side actually knows their own data and their own business. Like they may not know all the tools and all the te techniques for doing statistics and stuff, but they know their data. They know what the what the what, what how they can what they care about it. Go down to the data side. They're the ones who have I, that one I would argue they're business illiterate. Like they need Oh yeah. Literacy. Yeah. So this this is this is my call all the time is that we need to the, the, the folks who are managing the data, they need to understand how the I'm using the word business, but it's just I they understand how their domain work means. Yeah. So and again, this goes back to education and that's where modeling comes in because modeling 
and semantics. I'm going to just bundle these two things together because modeling is sure. just a way to understand and understand the semantics, the meaning of yeah. what we're talking about. I mean, I, you, you got a, a green board behind you. Like if we're going to go start talking about something and we're confused, like we end up just going to the, to the green board right there and, and start drawing things out. And guess what? Yep. It's probably going to look like bubbles and lines. And guess what? That looks like a model, right, a data model yep. or something, right? So th this, and, and I think the other issue is that as technologists, we just don't like to talk to people. Just want to get, go code and like, well, I got yeah. the form and I see the code for that. And I'm going to see, there's a, there, I could create a, a package of that, which is in JSON and just send that. And then I get that and I'm going to go store it. And then, and then I'm done. And then I'm going to just dump that into a database and there it is. And now go do your analytics on it. And, and, and then somewhere else, people saying, I want my data to look this way. And so they're, they're basically creating a new UI form for the end result. Now transform it. So you're just doing a bunch of syntactic transformations and say, okay, this thing now fits here, but you don't know yep. if that was the correct thing. And it, it, because just go talk to people. So anyways, I think the yeah right here is the modeling is all about the people side, which is we don't like mm -hmm. to talk about people because we're technologists. That needs to change. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because you know I I, uh, I like to punish myself and go on Reddit once in a while and look at the data engineering uh, uh, subreddit. Um, very rarely post there. I mean, and it's great people and stuff, but you know, you see posts like the other day, somebody's posting, well, do I need to use Kimball modeling or do I just, you know, and I'm like, well, what's your alternative? Like, if you're not going to do that, then what? Because if a lack, a lack of modeling is still modeling, it's just like a really crappy model. You're still trying to represent the reality that's in your head. It's just Kimball, I think, gave you a really good way of doing it for analytics. I mean, it, it works and it's worked for decades, you know, so my, my question, my, my answer would be, do you, you know, do you think you're smart enough to reinvent the wheel in this case? You know, I mean, again, something that works. I mean, if you want to go for it, but I, I'm not saying the, the other approach I'm taking too is I don't think that there's one single way to, to model. Right. I think that's one of the big mistakes we make as an industry. And, um, you know, that's why I posted they post the other, the other night, uh, you know, about like it feels like there's religious wars in modeling. I think there's true. It is true to some degree. Right. Um, there's various factions. You know, the relational camp is been hammering on that for 50, 60 years now, 60 years almost, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, dimensionally, uh, you know, analytics has its own, um, you know, sectors and stuff. My whole approach is like, pick what works for your situation. Just understand the tools available to you. So I, the, the analogy I'm giving right now is mixed martial arts, right? Like, uh, before UFC one, actually before like, uh, I would say Bruce Lee, which you can do, but anyway, uh, UFC one is what really came to a head with mixed martial arts, but it was like, until then, you know, if you guys grew up in the eighties, which I think a, a lot of you did, it was like, you know, there's always like the Kung Fu master who had the secret art that, you, you know, was the most powerful thing in the world, but he would never show you because, you know, if you looked at you, you would die or something like that. Um, you know, and then like, but the question was always what would happen if like Mike Tyson and uh, Bruce Lee got into a fight, right? Or a wrestler and Bruce Lee or, or uh, you know, whatever, Hulk Hogan and Mike Tyson get into a fight. Like, you know, the, these are the questions, right? But it, it started actually being realistically answered in the 90s with UFC and you come to find out that there is no one true martial art. There's a bunch of them and you got to know all of them and you got to know when to apply them. And to me, that's no different than data modeling across the data life cycle. You need to understand the different techniques that have been around forever. You need to know the new techniques and be willing to apply them to new situations. And that I think is going to bring about a new era of, um, you know, just how we deal with data and how we talk about data, how we use it, et cetera. But until we bridge that gap, we're operating in so many damn silos right now. It's holding us back. That's the crazy thing. 
we like to think we're making progress, but you look to your left, software engineers, you look to your right, whoever the hell is consuming your data. It's like everyone's operating their own silo, but it's all on the same sort of data that flows through. It just changed, i.e. modeled differently, but it still carries the same concepts hopefully through, right? And so that's, we need to get back to that notion. Um, but I think we need to get rid of these stupid, idiotic, um, you know, battles about like the one true way. Like I have a book, 50 Years of Relational Databases, um, you know, from uh, Chris Date. And that whole book is him just like pretty much trash talking anybody who doesn't agree with the relational model. 300 pages of this crap. Good book, but I think it, it's symptomatic of I think of a of an old school mentality that if you're not with us, like you're, you're absolutely an enemy. Yeah, us, you're, right? you're either a part of the religion or you're not. Um, I, yeah. I like this analogy you're using around mixed martial arts, and it's not like oh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu also always wins or taekwondo always wins. Right. It's, it's knowing what techniques apply to which and knowing your opponent, and um, you know, it, this makes me think about you know lately there's been some buzz around things like activity stream. Uh, and things like uh, big wide tables and things like that. Like, what yeah. do you think about some of these? Like, oh, here's a clever approach, you know, to to solve a lot of use cases. Are those just other tools in the toolkit? I think there's other tools in the toolkit. Honestly, activity stream. I see, you know, I saw um, that come out. I was like, that's that's cool. I think it, it fits, you know, what Materialize is doing, for example, like that or activity screen schema, you know. But I think that's that's dope. If it works for them, then it works for them, right? Um, you know, my whole thing is just to know what the trade-offs are. What's a trade-off? You take this technique, let, let, what are the trade-offs? This is going to be my question. So what yeah. works for them? What does work mean? Uh, how, so what is the, what are the, what are the things that you should be considering the, the trade-offs? Like uh, somebody, people listening here is like, okay, I, I, okay. I, I, I have now passed the first bar saying I don't need to choose one thing. If there's end things, I need to consider the end things, right? So I'm, I'm not part of the list where that number one is the best one and that's it, right? So how, what are the criterias to understand, to kind of compare and contrast and figure out, oh, for this particular use case, this is the best, what works the best for me? I mean, it's a good, it's a good question, right? Because I mean, ultimately it's about like what's valuable and useful. I mean, that's how, say, Bill Inman would define, uh, you know, what he's been trying to work on just is valuable is data valuable and um you know is it believable and useful but the trade-offs right that's an interesting question so how do we get to this situation in the first place i, I could argue it's about the trade-offs right we're trading off time and, and efficiency and money and versus quality rigor you know and um um you know those sorts of things right so and right now the pendulum is swung basically towards like fast relaxed versus rigorous rigorous and formal but, but what's interesting is if you go to Europe, for example, which I know Juan, you've been there. I don't know about you, Tim, but Europe's a different different ball game. There, they they move a lot slower business wise. They just do. And the thing is, uh, data modeling there is much more rigorous and much more formal versus here, where people just move fast, break things. That's how we do things. Um, it's a feature and a bug. But I think you know, you talk to data modelers or data practitioners in the states versus Europe. It's a much different. You get two different answers in terms of how you should do stuff. So I think it's a trade-offs really here. It's like people, if you talk to most analytics engineers or data engineers, like I don't have the time to think about modeling. I'm just going to make say one big table to your point, Tim. And that's, that's how it's going to be. So I don't know. It's an interesting question. The, 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 the culture aspect here in countries, this is a very, very important one that you bring up. Like th this would be interesting analysis to go do. Like just go on LinkedIn and look for people who uh, who title called data modelers. I would mm. believe that they were, I don't know, just apply the 80-20 rule. 80% would probably be in Europe. I would, I'd be willing to take that bet too, yeah. 
Yep. So that, it's just a different culture over there. I mean, they're doing stuff like Data Vault, for example, right? Which, I mean, I don't know very many people in the States are doing that, but that's just, it's, it's a great methodology, but it just requires a lot more work and a lot more investment. And it's just here, for whatever reason, the, the investment is more like, I just want to get an answer today. And that's maybe part of the problem, but that's a trade-off. Like how, how accurate and how correct and how holistic you want to be versus just getting an answer out the door. Right. I mean, in a recent podcast I did with um, you know, Tristan Handy, um, shameless plug, uh, the Joe Reese show, go check it out. Uh, it's on Spotify. Um, but he, you know, Tristan, you know, he's the CEO of DBT Labs, right? Um, and he's he's not blinded to the fact that there's like DBT model sprawl everywhere. Like he he pointed out a company that had thirty nine thousand DBT models, and it's not like he said this is like awesome. He's like, yeah, this is a huge problem that we got to tackle because you got to that's like thirty nine thousand different at least d- different uh, concepts, maybe more. That are just somewhere in a data warehouse. Uh, Thirty-nine different <laughs> things, and then yeah. those things are probably duplicated. Sem- think about the, yeah. How it goes into semantics. <laughs> Bingo. Yes, exactly. So it's like, yeah. So he's seeing, you know, the complexity issue is definitely something that you know he's he's definitely thinking about and trying to tackle. And it's just, but this is what happens. You know, one of my um, my my coach actually, uh, you know, my uh, fitness coach. She is a data analyst as well, and she's. Tell me the um, the other week, like, oh, I'm I'm doing a data model. I'm like, oh, interesting. How? What, tell me more about that. When you say data model, like, what do you mean exactly? Right? And she's like, oh, I'm making DBT models. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and so to her, that you know, the, again, semantics, right? The, the term data model even it means a lot of things to different people. Um, you know, I wrote an article about this a few weeks ago. Um, like, uh, WTF is a model, right? Because it's like you have a machine learning model. So when I talk to machine learning practitioners, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm modeling right now. I'm like, okay, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, I'm making a a machine learning model. Like, what do you mean, idiot? And so it's, you know, I've talked to, um, uh, you know, app developers and models a totally different thing too. I mean, it's in a lot of cases, it's literally a model file, like in your, um, in your ORM. So but anyway, that's so that's that's kind of the predicament that we're in right now. To answer your original question, though, like, how do you know if you've done it right? I think it, it really does come down to the what you given the trade offs you have at hand and the constraints, what would you define as a success? You know, I, I think it's the only way you could really answer that, because you couldn't just say, well, it has to achieve the highest ROI, for example. Because I'm like, well, but in this case, you, 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 you probably justified to yourself that you just did that. So <laughs> it's like. I don't think you want to achieve the lowest ROI outcome. So yeah, well, there's some, there's some obvious, <laughs> there, there's the obvious truth. Well, we want to make money, right? All that stuff. Right. But yeah. Uh, but then there's, it goes, it gets much more profound here. Yeah. I don't know. What, it what are you thinking, Tim? Well, I, I wanted to ask a question, which is that our, I, I think sometimes, especially in the U S and we talk about this sort of, faster more like some i think we move the 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 slider on the on the scale from efficiency to resilience we love to slide that slider real high uh, real real heavy on the efficiency yeah uh, end of that of that um slider right um and you know i don't see data teams spending a lot of time first of all thinking about modeling up front right but then not really spending time to refactor and i think that there's um an art to oh okay yeah we're gonna move fast you know maybe you know let's just use the dbt scenario for a second right oh we've got a hundred models now oh shoot maybe that maybe it's time for us to go look and see how many of these models deal with customer right oh 10 of them do 
oh shoot, well, maybe we should have one customer model and be taking into account any dimensions or you know supplementary tables and things like that that need to support customer so that way we're not having 10 customer dbt models right um i I don't know if that's if you're seeing that problem too joe um and and if if that's something we need to solve if it's a cultural problem so let me add to this and throw it to you is where is how are we dealing with tech debt and data Um, I kind of separate this into three categories, really. In the software land, it's easier because you have tech debt and sometimes data debt. But especially for data teams, you have three types of debt. You have tech debt, you know, maybe pipeline debt, I don't know, infrastructure debt or whatever. Data debt, which I think more of kind of we're referring to, like how is it? How is how are you controlling the decay of your data over time? Because it will. Um, concepts will erode, and data will become less relevant, and so forth, or will just be plain wrong at some point. Um, or it might just disappear too. Anyway, I digress. Um, um, organizational debt has, takes into account basically um, when you start out as a data team, picture this, you're given a punch pass and you have 20 punches on this thing. And this is the amount of um, times you can erode uh, trust in your, in your group. Right? So you get 20 screw ups basically. After the 20th screw up, I don't know what happens to you. Probably bad things. So... Um, this happens a lot with data teams, software teams too, but I think data teams because there's more of a feedback loop with quote the business, right? So say this report's wrong, it's an obvious one. Yeah, it's a punch in your pass, right? Data's not available, yeah, another punch in your pass, right? Keep accumulating these things. And so that, that's organizational debt that I think data teams incur with, with um, quote the business. And so, um, but what was, it, what was the, uh, the last point you, you hit on though, Juan? Well, I was just asking, like, how, how are people dealing with data tech debt today, right? Yeah. The data tech point is so, like, yeah, we got to refactor. Like, are people even thinking about refactoring and, 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 and taking a pause? I mean, you, you, our engineering team, all engineering teams will go on. Like, we're going to go do this stuff. We have a sprint, but we're going to put some time to do, to refactor, to go look at the debt. And, right, there's a, a week that we're going to go do this stuff. Like, is this happening? Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's kind of like all of us, I think, also say, especially at the beginning of the, the new year that, yeah, I'm going to get my life in order and like really get on a plan. You know, I'm going to exercise and eat uh, eat keto and you know, really, uh, really get on the ball, you know, um, not drink as much. Um, but about three weeks in, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, that was hard. So I think that's a lot of teams, really, right? when it comes to debt. It's like, yeah, I think that the ambitions are good. I don't think anyone has like malicious intent or, or you know, inherently, you know, um, but is software like that? Oh, software's like that for sure. Every software team I've worked on, it's definitely like that. You have you have your tickets, right? And I think the good teams definitely spend an amount of t- uh, you know a certain amount of time like trying to chop down debt, you know, each each uh, sprint. Um, to, to different teams have different ways of doing it. You have to be very intentional about it. But in data, it's interesting because you can actually mask over your debt by just making a new query and just say, "Oh, well, that here's your answer to that," and so. You didn't really, you didn't really uh, change the uh, situation. You, you just uh, changed the output. In data, you can mask over your debt by creating a query. I would say in data, you can mask over the problem by no. creating a query, but you're creating more debt. You just create more debt. Yeah, you create more debt. But it's like, I, 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 you know, say that I just need you to tweak this report though, right? Like I'm just going to add another, uh, you know, filter to it. And like, here's your report. So that's what I mean. It's like, it, it didn't change the underlying fact that you got it wrong in the first place. And you didn't address the root cause of that. Right. But you did address that. Well, here's your answer to that uh, question. 
So it's, it's easy to sweep things under the rug. Like, so it's interesting, like, you know, I, I love DBT, for example. Another great tool is Looker. Um, Looker, I'd argue, was one of the first popular semantic um, layers, so to speak. It was coupled to the DI, and I won't get into all that nitpicking on that. But, you know, the whole purpose of Looker was to define something once and use it anywhere, right? So just as you would in code, you know, do not, um, you know, repeat yourself and so forth. And what was crazy is that I, I kept, I, I seen like LookML files that, had so many duplicates and so much repetition um, and didn't take into account like dynamically scaling out the type of problem you're trying to solve. Like you would, if you're writing code, like conditionals and so forth, there's literally just copy and paste, change a filter there and so forth instead of using conditionals and stuff like that, where I was just like, okay, so this, it was obvious that somebody asked you for a, you know, asked you for something really quick and you just need to get an answer like that quickly. And the other, the other crazy thing is like, Looker was supposed to be like the self-service layer, right? We're supposed to be able to do self-service analytics. The, the holy grail of analytics is self-serve. Everyone wants to do that. And lo and behold, um, you know, so self-serve obviously means that the, the end user can just use a tool, um, get their analytics, and then you're done. Voila, right? Uh, analysts can work on the definitions neatly and, uh, and, and so forth. And, you know, the separation concerns are there. And all too often what I would see also is, that analyst is supposed to be working on, um, you know, building a better model. You know, they're, uh, you know, pinged on Slack probably. It's like, hey, I need you to make a report. Can you also send it to me in Excel? Um, so, right. So the whole situation is just bananas. But this is this is a reality that I see like well, quite often actually. So, yeah. So, so interesting world. Sometimes I figure I should, I mean, I should just go do like cattle ranching or something. That'd probably be more fun. So. I don't know. <laughs> that, 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 that's a topic for another another podcast. If you were in data, what would you be doing? I think we could have a good conversation. That would have been a good uh, icebreaker as well. Yeah. But I, I want to uh, bring up this uh, comment here that Jefferson is sharing. Sprints are often the suppressor of good upfront modeling. Thoughts? I think there's some truth. In fact, I was actually on a... Um, chatting with this uh, Slack group of all these uh, software engineers that I'm friends with. Um, really hardcore ones too. Um, we got on the notion of like scrums and agile really. And one guy was like, I really hate scrum and agile. And I was like, well, you, you, I was like, I think you, know, you probably hate how it's done. Right. Cause the essence of like, like scrum, for example, that came out of like lean manufacturing that had actually nothing to do with software. It was applied in software, but it was like, it's something that came out of, a, um, I think Toyota or, or one of the, one of the, um, uh, the, the lean people. But so the, you know, it's, it's interesting because the whole notion is to banish waste. That's all it is, right? What's interesting with sprints is that we actually spend, it's, it's a very wasteful activity in a lot of cases. Um, I, so I, I think it's how you do your sprints is, is incredibly important. Um, but I would be more curious to dig into what he means by the suppressor of good upfront modeling and what he means by upfront modeling. Um, it, it's the way I would imagine upfront modeling is, you know, there's at least the way that you'd probably do it in the old times is there's a lot of requirements gathering, a lot of sitting down with people and stuff. And that's one thing I've been thinking about too, is maybe is there a better way of doing this in this day and age? Cause I think that that it's definitely more of a waterfall approach, which obviously would be uh, kind of um, contradictory to the notion of a sprint, but uh, you know, it's, it, it, you know, some, some people like Larry Burns, for example, and John Giles and, and others uh, definitely point towards the need for more agile data modeling. And I tend, do tend to subscribe to that viewpoint. Um, but it's well, so I think there's two things to we should confuse them. One is like the modeling technique, 
you do why yeah. and then whether is the what is the methodology of how you're using that technique right correct so it can be a we're a waterfall approach, right? Boiling the ocean. You're getting all the requirements, and then we're gonna do this, right? Versus an yeah, an agile methodology. So I think, it, and then the methodology can apply to whatever modeling technique that you want to go do, depending on whatever success right. you're having. So I think that yeah, one. And it's interesting too. Like, I, and so one thing I would I would urge people to do is revisit the notion of uh, data model patterns, especially when you're at the conceptual phase. Like, this is something that have been advocated quite often with um, was it Len Silverson, for example, he had three books, fantastic books, the data model resource books, volumes one through three, 2000 pages of nothing but model patterns. And so if you're a retailer, for example, these patterns just lay out, how does a retailer work? How do you think about all the entities in the, and um, you know, a retail model, you know, not just the entities, but step, step uh, stepping back, just like things that happen in a, in a retail business, right? Things that those things happen to, Right. You get a product, you sell it to a customer. Right. These are all patterns. And, and these things, these, the thing is, these patterns still apply today. It's not like the, 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 the world of retail has completely changed to the point where it's like you don't sell things to people anymore. Like that, that's that still happens. Like, so, uh, you know, I, I think, for, you know, to a large extent, the, the just reusing patterns, I think would, would maybe help with, um, you know, what Jefferson was saying here, uh, you know, with um, upfront modeling, because it does need to be faster. I think the big complaint was everything takes too damn long. But right? the, so that so this is all about having your having exi existing industry models, like, like I mean, retail, right? You'll have the orders, customers, right? I've, I've been doing insurance, some stuff. And you have claims yeah. and coverage details and and underwriting, like all these things are the same, and they shouldn't like they're they're not changing across the in industry, across companies. The, the essence are there. But I think going back to the rigorous, like seeing that pendulum, you can see some folks being very pedantic of we have to go use this model as is. And I'm like, right. And then like, then this is like where you fit. It's like, no, some people will be in that camp. And I'm like, right. just use it as an inspiration. Maybe magically as yep. it is, it works perfectly for you. Okay, perfect. Maybe 80% of it works. May, fuck, maybe 20% of it works or whatever. At least you're not starting from zero, not reinventing the freaking wheel. Correct. Yeah, exactly. No, you're, you're a thousand percent spot on. I, I agree. It's like, take what works. Again, it's back to the, the mixed martial arts. Like what applies to your situation? What do you need to tweak? Right. Um, like if I, if I'm in a, uh, a mixed martial arts event, for example, I'm not going to sit there and try and do like a perfect triangle choke. If you know what that is, it's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to like adapt to the situation and like nail it as best I can. Knowing that the other guy on the other end is probably knowing what I'm doing and is going to try and get out. Um, that's how reality works. And the, the thing is business is slippery, especially these days, things change quickly, but there are processes that probably don't change as much. So try and capture those and build around those things. Right. And that's, I think that's the whole point of this is it's just what we're doing right now is we just become so myopically focused on what's in front of us directly in focus in front of us for this hour, even like I need to respond to this query. And the, th the problem is we're losing the entire context of like what we're doing. Um, you know, with the business. And then if you extend it to data mesh between businesses, right? So it's a very fractal problem. Um, and so, but I, yeah, I do agree with Jefferson's initial uh, comment, those sprints are often the suppressor of good upfront modeling. I, I, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think sprints are also a, a suppressor of good upfront, a lot of things, not just modeling. So um, the, the way a lot of people do sprints is I think quite uh, poorly done right now. So I, I've done, I've done, I've managed poor sprints before, so I know what I'm talking about. So I think we all have, uh, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. So.
Yeah, well, s- sprints can be something that folks get very religious about also, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, if, if um, you embrace agile software practices in data, but don't embrace thinking about business value and thinking about mm-hmm. data products and how you're actually using agile data development to accomplish said value, then you're just being obsessed about a tool or an approach instead of the value you're actually trying to create religion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or philosophy as one was yelling at me the other night about, I I was just, I was just messing with one. I mean, it was, it was, it was a Friday (laughs) or Saturday and I think it was 10, 11 PM for me. And I had, how are you having some drinks? I'm like, why is it such a bad thing? It's philosophy. I was being philosophical myself already that night. No, no. And I was, I was like, yeah, he's right. I'm just going to mess with him. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, but no, it's, it, it, is, it is interesting, though. Um, I mean, you bring up some interesting points there, too. Uh, you know, um, it's uh, we get so caught up in the dogma, really. And I think that especially now, again, AI has so much opportunity to change businesses. And I think, you know, change the way we do a lot of things we really do need to capitalize on this moment and get our house in order. I think what's going to concern me is companies are going to throw large language models on top of their whatever SharePoint. I'm just joking, but uh, probably to that too. Um, and it's, it's going to be weird. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to have two choices. You can, you can assume that it, it what it's uh, these, uh, you know, generative AI is outputting is correct. Right. Um, you know, or or you can make, or maybe a third assumption actually. I was going to say the other one is like you can assume it's not, but um, you can see your data your data has been wrong the entire time too. Maybe that's also the case. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it's it's going to be an interesting world. And what I fear is that we're going to enter more of a hall of mirrors type situation in our businesses, where like nobody knows what's right. Uh, whereas before, I think the original point about when we first started one, right, where it's like business people they know their numbers. You show me a sales guy or saleswoman who doesn't know their sales number right now, right? Every salesperson knows their number. If they don't, they're out of a job. Like you, you know your number like the back of your hand. Like that is the one number you know. You know that probably better than like your kid's birthday or anything. Like you know where you are, so you know your business. Yeah. That's- this is the key thing right there. Like people know, I mean, when we're using the word know here, it's knowledge. Yeah. You harp on this all the time. It is knowledge. It's all it is at the end of the day. Right. But I think you're right though. And what you're saying earlier, where it's like the, um, I think it's more of the data people that we got it backwards. Like we need to focus on the business and talk about, talk to the business in ways that they understand. And another article I wrote was a business doesn't care about quote data, right? Cause they, they don't. Go to a salesperson and talk about, you know, uh, knowledge graphs, for example. They're just looking like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Unless you happen to sell knowledge graphs. But they'll just say, like, want to have a drink and sit down and talk about something else. Um, so, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> look like you have a lot in your mind there, Juan. Um, but that's, that's the reality of it, right? I mean, most, pe- most people, uh, most data people want to talk in terms of, you know, whatever we're trying to talk about and what we talk about amongst ourselves. But a lot of people don't live in our filter bubble, you know. Definitely. So, yeah. I- yeah. I think before we go to our, our lightning round, um, you know, is, is one of the biggest takeaways you think that folks should have is kind of going back to this mixed martial arts analogy, like learn, learn the tools of the trade, yeah. figure out what they're good at and what they're optimized for and, and, and how to make the best of them. But really 
focus on modeling, especially in the advent of generative AI and how that's just going to amplify everything. Think about modeling more holistically and, and, and yeah. think of it in terms of right tools for the right job and really tie it back to the value that you're trying to drive. I think that's beautifully put. Yeah. And, you know, if you take the mixed martial arts approach, you can be awesome. Like, uh, like, like, uh, Mark Zuckerberg here, um, <laughs> hanging out with the, uh, UFC champions. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Um, I don't know why I get such a kick be off of this whole, you know, <laughs> Zuck oh, versus, so uh, Musk. What, what a but crazy I, situation. I just want to close, close out with one thing before we are lighting that. Which <laughs> it's is, crazy. I think the, the, the generative AI, I started off with like, Oh, AI and now large language models, it's all about unstructured. We're not thinking about the tech, the, the structured data. And we're going to start putting these large language models with structured data, running queries over our database. And uh, we're going to, my hypothesis here, I'm going to bet on this, is that we're going to start doing these, chatting with the data and having all these natural language questions translating into SQL where our underlying, there's no understanding, no modeling, and it's just going to fall flat. Mm -hmm. and we're yep. going and look at cycles in history. We've had AI winters, and, and this and this is this is something that we can kind of say, oh, the promise of this stuff, but our most valuable data, our, our structured data, our analytical and transactional data, and we're not being able to leverage that with our AI, and that's where we're going to go fall flat on Bingo. that. Now, totally. now, the way, my hypothesis is that the way that is not going to happen, we're actually going to succeed, where we, we can really leverage this is putting the semantics the, the knowledge yep. and i've actually already been doing these experiments i'm 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 writing a whole poster about a, like a, a benchmark so i'm going to create i'm creating this benchmark where it's input are just questions the the underlying database schema is a schema of an open uh an in, uh, taking some industry model like i'm working on insurance stuff like that and then but it's going to be in the physical layer. It's not very clear semantics. So you're going to take your query. That's going to translate it to SQL. And like, ugh, it's going to work for small stuff, but more, more complex questions where you're actually going to get KPIs and metrics. It's going to fall flat and you're just going to invent stuff right there. And then put the semantic layer on top where we're going to have everything well-defined well governance, all that stuff. I think that's where we're going to go see the difference. And we're going to have to shift from... We're going to be efficient on things and immediately we're going to fail. And it's going to be obvious because we're failing because the queries are giving just bad, not even compiling. That's how, we, that's how we're really going to fail. And then we're going to find that pendulum. So that's my hypothesis. Yeah. I'm getting on this right now. I totally agree. It's interesting too. I know we're coming up on time. You know, you want to do the lightning round, but what I, it's interesting because I feel like we're in a classical machine learning uh, uh, winter right now. So I, I, my friends and I would joke back when deep learning came out that we were in a uh, uh, SVM, sport vector machine winter, because um, that's what we used to work on. Um, and now we're in a, uh, you know, we're, a, a, all, if it's not LLMs, right, you're in the uh, non-LLM uh, winter right now. So yeah. it'll be back, though. I mean, a lot of these techniques, they still hold weight. They're still awesome. It's just different tools for yeah. different jobs. That's all so they are. This gives us, uh, let's hit our lightning round. And our first question, uh, let's keep it quick, quick yes or no's. Uh, number one, are the past principles around data modeling out of date? No. Perfect. Just a quick yes or no. So, <laughs> well, I want to ask a one B to that though. What about for things like streaming, for example? Like, are there parts of the data modeling approaches which are underexplained, underfleshed out? I think streaming needs to be fleshed out in general in terms of data modeling. Everybody I've talked to 
people have built like the the big streaming systems. Nobody has a consensus on streaming uh, streaming data modeling right now. Nobody. Okay. That's that's wide open territory. All right. That that resonates with me too. Mm -hmm. um, second question: uh, Data architects versus data and analytics engineers. Are are data and analytics engineers the future keepers of the model? Yes. <laughs> Quickly expand on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I just think the roles are, are becoming more and more close to the metal, so to speak, right? I think the notion of a data architect, unless you're at a larger company, that they don't exist anymore. Okay, this is good. So data architects and larger companies, data engineers, analytics are going to be the owner for a smaller company. More more full stack data engineer yeah. type folks, right? right. Yeah, just because you have to, yeah. So as next question, as organizations look to take their own knowledge and data and combine it with generative AI, whether custom LLMs or small LLMs, Will semantics and modeling be the biggest barrier to value? Absolutely. Yep. Hundred percent. For reasons we just discussed. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Fourth question. Yeah. We talked about sprints and iteration around data towards the end of our of our chat today. Mm -hmm. Can data modeling happen iteratively, iteratively in sprints? It can, and it needs to. And so I think we, we need to reevaluate how we're doing modeling right now. I think that's, that's part of the crux. I, I think we need to figure out how that fits into the re reality that it's going to be part of a sprint. We aren't getting rid of sprints. We'll get rid of data modeling before we get rid of sprints. And this is my book, and I have a whole chapter on how to do it iteratively model. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll go get your book. Um, I need an autograph version of that too. So <laughs> I need to get an autograph my version of your book. We'll, we'll make right. this happen. <laughs> okay. All right. Ben. Take us away first with takeaways. All right. So we first started off by just kind of mentioning your book, Fundamentals to Data Engineering, and also um, you know, us getting together while we were all in Vegas with, with beers in hand and talking about the state of data and, and the advent of generative AI. And one of the things that you had mentioned, um, both in, our, in live when we were chatting, but also um, today in our session today, was that a lot of folks, when they saw your book, you had sort of like one chapter around data modeling. Uh, and some folks were kind of asking, well, why is that kind of there, um, you know, in the first place? And then other people were asking, why only one chapter? This is so important. Like, there's so much more that needs to be said around modeling, especially in the advent of, of things like generative AI, which are, are going to take all of our data issues and our opportunities and, and simply amplify them. Um, and, uh, and I think it's exciting and interesting that, that you're going to be digging more into that and, and, and be writing a book around that. Um, yep. and you had mentioned that, um, the art and the philosophy of data modeling in general has been lost. Um, and, uh, we aren't ready for AI, uh, and there's a huge fundamental opportunity to get the foundation right, uh, so that the promise of AI can be real, and maybe we can head off this winter uh, that we may be destined for around LLMs if uh, if God can save us on it, and if we can take proper data engineering and data modeling and in general data practices to it. Um, you also mentioned about tying um, different types of knowledge and information together, and you mentioned, for example, you know, Bill Inman, right? Everybody knows him as being uh, a maven and one of the godfathers around relational database modeling uh, and, the, and, the, and the enterprise data warehouse. Um, and right now he's focused a ton on text 
Uh, and I'll throw in a comment for myself. You know, it's it's been interesting to watch the career of Bob Muglia, the former CEO uh, over at mm -hmm. Snowflake. And now he's obsessing over text and unstructured data and knowledge graphs, yep. right? Um, cool. And it's the marriage of these things together that's going to be really interesting. Um, and so we have to be honest about, you had mentioned, we have to be honest about all the work that's going to take to get from here to there. Yep. Um, you mentioned a talk you gave recently, recently at the, in Vancouver, data modeling is dead, long live data modeling. Um, mm -hmm. We've really kind of lost our way around having a coherent model around data. Um, models tend to be aligned these days more towards the form, the web UI, uh, and that kind of dictates a lot of the model. Um, also ad hoc requests are dictating the model quite a bit and how we're approaching modeling. Um, and really we need to zoom out we need to not be religious about it. We need to think about all of these modeling approaches as tools in the toolkit, um, relational database modeling using Kimball. That's maybe that's Brazilian jujitsu, but you can't just focus on the one art, right? You gotta you gotta focus on everything and use it together. There's no one true way, and uh, these are just different tools uh, that you have to bring together. You gotta know what to look yep. for. You gotta focus on value. Bingo. Um, and there was a, a lot more there, but Juan, I'll pass it over to you for you. Good ways. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Uh, the trade-offs, right? We discussed it like, oh, make sure it works for you. So what does work mean? Like, first of all, just you have to find what success looks like. So to figure that out, and I think usually the pendulum goes into like being very efficient as fast as possible versus kind of the quality and being more rigorous. And I think this pendulum swings uh, is now right now generally more on the efficiency side, but it's very cultural, right? If you look at, I love, I love looking at this, I mean, if you look at the EU, right? People do business there a bit slower about that stuff, how they do business. So they kind of really take their they take their time and they're focusing more on being the rigorous part, right? So I think it's always like, do you want to get an answer as fast as possible out the door versus being more rigorous? So I think this is being able to understand the trade-offs and that's what you need to be able to go look into. Yeah. Um, I also very quickly discuss on like, what is a model? Like everybody uses the word ML models are different from data models, different from DBT models and app developers have their own models, which can be even the model file. So like, you gotta go figure out which model, talk about semantics here, right? Uh, talk about debt, right? So are you refactoring how you're dealing with this data tech debt? You said three types of debt. I like this tech debt, which is like, you got pipeline infrastructure debt, you have data debt, which is like the decay of data. I mean, concepts will erode, just become completely wrong or they'll disappear. And the organizational debt. And I love the analogy you brought up, like that punch card. Like you, you can only punch that card 20 times, right? You can only screw up 20 times after that. Like, who knows, right? <laughs> so the, the, the report didn't arrive on time, punch card right there. So, um, and the other issue is that in data, you can mask over debt with another query. And I think what part of it of the debt is that you want to, not repeat yourself. Just do it once, and and do your do it once. And uh, and Looker was this whole approach, but when you actually look into that stuff, you would still see so much repetition. So it's like we don't really learn this stuff in data. We're not seeing it. And then kind of wrapping up, uh, other other ways or better ways of doing modeling. I think one of the stuff is look at the different methodologies. Um, things there are we can and do should do better when you look at different methodologies, looking at different modeling patterns and reuse existing patterns to figure out if. If you can't, if you won't reuse them as is, you can be inspired to go take parts of it. At the end of the day, just be pragmatic about it. Think Bottom about line, it. right tools for the right job. Love it. Anything awesome. we missed? How do we do? Fantastic, guys. It's like you've done this before for four years now. Um, so part of our fourth one. Hey, we took well, a month yeah. off. And Joe, you're the perfect guest to have here twice because I think you've got you've got a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we're just so glad you could join us today. Uh, Anytime, guys. Joe, take us home quickly advice, 
uh, about data, about modeling, about life. Uh, who else should we invite next? And any new resources that you want to share that you want to go that you follow that people should follow? Uh, who should you invite next? I think um, Ethan Aaron and, and Kevin Who and those those guys would be amazing to have on. Ethan's um, coming soon. Cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll have some more. I, I, I'm about to start a, another um, world tour uh, in a few weeks, so um, I'm sure I'll be able to recommend a lot more people. That I want to I want to recommend people off the beaten path. I think there's like the LinkedIn kind of filter bubble, but there's a lot of interesting people I meet who you probably haven't heard of before. Um, a, a guy, John Giles, would be fascinating for you to have on the show. Um, uh, his last name's G I L E S. Yes, he's in Australia. He's amazing. He's like Yoda when it comes to data modeling. You would love him. Um, I think he lives in rural Australia as well, so he probably literally lives in Dagobah. Um, but uh, people like that are cool. Uh, Larry Burns is another guy I would have on. So, yeah, he's dope. By the way, why is there so much modeling in Australia? That's another question. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Gary Payne. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at several books. It's like, yeah, Graham uh, Simpson. There's all these books I have from Australians. I don't know what it is in, in the, the Outback or something. It must be a uh, teacher about modeling. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and where, where, where can people find you? You're, you're going off and going to the, your next events. like. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I'll be, uh, you can find me on Substack. I'm at joereset.substack.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just add me there. Um, apart from that, yeah, this uh, upcoming, I'll be uh, in Australia, Europe, Middle East, maybe India, maybe again Canada, and uh, also on a tour at DBT, DBT and Joe Reese Roadshow, hitting a city near you. Next one's in, um, was that Atlanta on the 10th, I believe? Um, and then Seattle and uh, I think a few other cities as well. So. Joe, thank happening. you so much. It's uh, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Uh, next week we are going to be. Uh, I'm going to be at CDOIQ in Boston. And nice. Tom Redman, who's the, the data doc, we're going to have him live right before we do Very our cool. honest no BS dinner. If you happen to be in Boston, you want to get our. We got a. I think we're we're actually booked. So, but hey, if you want to join our dinner? Let me know. Maybe the CDO. That's at MIT, right? CDOIQ. Yeah. Oh, I think it's. Yeah. Not, officially anymore but anyways okay it's, it's, a it's, one. it's an awesome event all right joe thank you cool. so much. all right a little bit over See you guys more stuff to go do no worries joe. all right Cheers. thanks everybody